Tonight, I want to talk to you about the subject of prayer. And as you know, as you know, Pastor John has been really teaching a very powerful message on prevailing prayer the last few weeks. And, uh, it's a, and I believe it's very important that we do know more about prayer and be encouraged to pray. Because it is my prayer that God will encourage us to, uh, to be confident in the powerful and the effectiveness of prayer. It is my prayer that God will help us to, to pray with confidence, with, with persistence, and with expectations. And I know that there are many of us who struggle with prayer. And prayer for some Christians are like someone going to a Coke machine and adding quarters into it and pressing the button and not getting Coke. Then they go and press the button again and again several times, waiting to get a Coke, but still not getting Coke. Then you shake it and kick it and try to get the Coke, but still nothing. And at that point, just lift up your hands and just walk away. And unfortunately, there are many Christians that have given up on prayer. Even though they know it's something that they're supposed to do. They just don't feel it works. And it's interesting that when Pastor John was talking about prevailing prayer, he defined prevailing prayer as prayer that avails much or prayer that accomplishes much or prayer that gets results. And it's an interesting word because I went and began to, uh, to study more about the word prevail. And it comes from a, a, a Latin word and it's a very interesting word because it means have greater power. So when we talk about prevailing prayer, we're talking about a prayer that proves to be more powerful than opposing forces. Or a prayer that is victorious. Or a prayer that gets results. I know that we have many types of prayers that the Bible teaches us. But I'm more uh, focused tonight on prayer that asks and receives. So prayer is powerful over any opposing forces that may be in your life. And again, what I want you to notice is that, and what's interesting and what's important to understand, is that prayer is divinely ordained by God. There's no way around it. Prayer is divinely ordained. In other words, it's God's idea. And you know, I don't believe that it's in God's nature to tell us to do something And it doesn't produce any results. What kind of God, what kind of father would tell his son to do something when he knows it's not going to work? So I don't believe that prayer is something that God will give to us if it's not going to work. I believe that prayer does work. I want you to say this with me. Prayer Prayer works. So prayer is God's idea. Prayer always aims to secure an answer. That's how God designed it. Amen. So if you have your Bibles with you, why don't you turn to John's, cha- John's Gospel, the 16th chapter. Prayer, again, is so important because even in Jesus' life, prayer was very important in his life and ministry. Everywhere he went, he always prayed. As a matter of fact, Jesus considered prayer so important that in Luke chapter 18 and verse 1, he says to his disciples, men are always to pray and not faint. 
or pray and not give up. So the two important things that Jesus felt strongly about in that verse, that we ought to pray always and we ought to pray and not give up. I like what Corey Ten Boom says. She says this, don't pray when you feel like it. Have an appointment with the Lord and keep it. She says, a man is powerful on his knees. Now, that's a powerful statement. Man is powerful on his knees. So it's also interesting that in Luke 11 chapter 1 where Jesus was praying in a certain place. And one of his disciples came as he was praying and says, Jesus, Lord, teach us to pray. Now, isn't it interesting that the disciple didn't ask Jesus, teach me how to raise the dead. Or teach me how to cast out devils. Or teach me how to heal the sick or walk on water. No, he didn't ask that. He simply asked, Lord, teach us how to pray. Now, I believe that the reason why the disciple asked Jesus to specifically to teach him how to pray was because all of the wonderful things that he saw Jesus do, casting out devils, walking on water, healing the sick, raising the dead, was a product of Jesus' prayer life. I mean, these disciples were with Jesus for three years. And they saw that everything that Jesus did had results. But it's only because he prayed. And so when you see someone do something all the time and it works, you want to do the same thing too. You want to learn, how, how do I do that? And it's interesting how the disciples, well, this one particular disciple, all he wanted to do was to learn how to pray. Because he knew that if he could pray as powerful as Jesus did, he knows that he can do all those other things that Jesus did. Prayer works. So, prayer is divinely ordained by God, which means that prayer is more powerful than any opposing force in your life. More powerful than any difficult circumstances that you might be going through, any lack that you may be going through. It's more powerful than any attack of the enemy, more powerful than any sicknesses. Prayer is more powerful than any opposing forces. I want you to realize and remember that. Say this with me. Prayer works. Prayer. So that is what the working power of prayer does. It produces wonderful works. Now, are you in uh, John 16? All right, let's look at Jesus' life. As you know, first of all, Jesus was in the last day of his life. And he was giving his disciples final instructions. In chapter 14, he just finished telling them that I'm going to be leaving. And so he's just finishing up on his final instructions to the disciples, especially when it comes to prayer. And he says in verse 23, In that day you will not question or ask me about anything. Truly, truly, or verily, verily, in the King James, I say to you, if you ask the Father for anything in my name, he will give it to you. Until now, you have asked me for nothing in my name. Ask, 
and you will receive so that your joy may be full. Now skip down to verse 26. Then you will ask in my name. I'm not saying I will ask the Father on your behalf. For the Father himself loves you dearly because you love me and believe that I came from God. Now, up to this point, the disciples always depended on Jesus for everything. Whenever they needed help, they went to Jesus. Whenever they found themselves in danger, they cried out to Jesus. Whenever they needed Jesus to clarify some of his teachings, Jesus would take the time to clarify and simplify his messages. They were so accustomed to going to Jesus directly for everything. Now Jesus was preparing them for for a change. He was simply telling them that from now on, you're not going to ask me for anything. See, what Jesus was doing was preparing them for a change in not only in their lives, but also how they pray. Because up to this point, all they did was go to Jesus. But now he was telling them, from now on, rather than go to me, you're going to go to the Father directly. And he says, I'm not going to go to the Father for you. In other words, I'm not going to take your request and deliver it to the Father. No, you're going to go yourself personally and directly to the Father. In his name. Now, you all know what a power of attorney is, right? Some of us, we have attorneys in this house. And, of course, a power of attorney is the legal right to sign on someone else's behalf. It's, it's, a, it's a legal document that gives someone the right and the, uh, the authority to stand, to make important decisions, to sign legal documents, to buy, sell, or make investments on their behalf. It's a very powerful and important responsibility. Well, Jesus simply saying, not only will you have access to the Father directly, but you're going to have the power of attorney to be able to go there and receive from the Father. And again, he simply tells us this. He says, if you ask in my name, again, this is a completely different way of praying. From now on, when you go to the Father, he's saying, you will have the power of attorney. All authority and all power is invested in that name. And that name has been entrusted to the disciples as well as to us. So that when we go to the Father, Jesus will endorse it. Every prayer that we ask. I look at it like this. We go to the Father with our prayer request. The Holy Spirit will take our request and bring it before God. And before God responds to our prayer, God will look to his son who's seated at his right hand and say, will you endorse this? And Jesus, his name is, has the power of attorney. And because we have that, Jesus will endorse all prayers. Amen. Amen. So Jesus is simply saying, listen, when you go to the Father in my name, the answer will be guaranteed. He says, if you ask in my name, I will do it. Powerful, powerful prayer. Philippians chapter 2, verses 9 and 10, Paul says that God has highly exalted Jesus and given him a name that is above every other name. 
So that in the name of Jesus, the mere mention of that name, every knee and every opposing force in your life must bow to the mention of the name of Jesus. Whether in heaven, whether on earth, or whether under the earth. That name is powerful. So Jesus is saying in his word that we have been entrusted with his name so that whatever and whenever we ask the Father and go to the Father in prayer, we are guaranteed results. Verse 24 in chapter 16 of John says, Until now you have asked for nothing in my name. Ask. Ask. And you will receive. So that your joy may be full. I don't know about you. There's nothing more joyful than having my prayers answered. Amen. There's every reason to be joyful because... God answers prayers. I'm looking for my watch so I can, won't go over. There we go. So now, this is all seems to be good to be true. I mean, God answering our prayers. and I mean, either Jesus is telling the truth or he's making a false statement. Go with me to John chapter 1. Let's find out. We're going to be in John for a little while. John's Gospel, chapter 1. Uh, It's nothing like hearing the pages of the Bible turning. Something about the Bible. John 1 and verse 14 says this. Of course, John, he wrote this, uh, this book and he starts off by saying, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the verse 14 says, And the Word became flesh, so we know it's Jesus. And he dwelt among us, and we saw his glory, glory as of the only begotten from the Father. Listen to this. Full of grace and full of truth. So John is saying that when Jesus came into the earth, he came full of truth. Now go to John 14. Just a few chapters after that. John chapter 14. And we're going to find out if Jesus is actually telling the truth or if this is just a false statement. Chapter 14 and verse 6. Jesus says, I am the way and the what? Truth and the life. And no one comes to Father but through me. So John's gospel says that Jesus, according to Jesus' own words, he is the truth. Now go to John 18. And in verse 37, where Jesus was facing Pilate, and Pilate says, you are a king then. And Pilate, which was what Pilate said, and Jesus answered, you are right in saying I am a king. In fact, for this reason I was born. And for this I came into the world to testify to the what? Truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. So three things we learn about Jesus. Number one, he was full of truth. Number two, he 
is the truth. And number three, he came to testify of the truth. Now, I'm more inclined to believe that Jesus is the word of truth. And that everything he says in his word is true. And there is no false statement because he is truth. So, yeah, it is good to be true because it is true. So, when Jesus says to ask, our asking is not limited to salvation only. But in the words of Jesus, it's whatsoever, anything, in all things will be given in his name. I want you to say this with me. Whatsoever, whatsoever anything, anything, in all things, in all things will, be will be given in his name. No, no, I just want you to say whatsoever. Just pay attention, okay? Let's stay with me. So John 16, verse 23 says, If you ask the Father for anything, say anything, anything. in my name, he will give it to you. Write this down. Matthew 21. And in verse 22, Jesus once again says, And all things, say all things, things. you ask in prayer, believing you will receive. Mark 11, 24, write that down. Whatsoever, verse 24, Mark 11, 24, whatsoever, Say that with me. Whatsoever you desire when you pray, believe that you received it and you shall have it. Then one more. John 15 and 16. Write that down. He says, whatever, say whatever. Whatever. You ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. So when we ask the Father whatsoever, anything and all things, Jesus promised that God will give you whatsoever, anything, and all things. Isn't that what the word says? So what Jesus is promising us today is that special attention will be given every time we bring whatsoever, everything, and all things before the Father in his name. (laughs) That's powerful. One of the most important things about this is that God, that Jesus has given us direct access to the Father. To be able to ask him these things. Because according to verse 27 in John 16, he says, because the Father himself loves you. Which tells me that God desires for us to come to him personally and directly. Because that's why he sent his son in the first place. He sent his son to take our sins upon himself so he can become sin for us. So that we can become his righteousness. Therefore, God can reconcile us and restore us back to right relationship. So that he can enjoy that wonderful, intimate relationship that he enjoyed with Adam. He can now enjoy with us. And so Jesus made the way. And so that when we stand before God, our father, we stand in his righteousness and not under our own merits. But in his righteousness, and therefore we can come in his name, the power of attorney that gives us the right to enter into his presence and receive everything, anything, all thing and whatever from God. I heard someone once say this, that prayer is a dialogue, not a monologue, but a dialogue between two people that love each other. And I picture myself talking to God who I love and God communing with me because he loves me. 
That's prayer. Hallelujah. So we have the right and the privilege to be able to bring all of our prayer requests, whatever, anything and all things, directly and personally to the Father with the power of attorney behind it. That means that the reason why our prayers is so powerful and effective is who we bring the prayers to. The Father. The one who has all the answers. The one who has all the, the, the provisions. The one who is the source of all things. We now have immediate access to the most powerful person in the universe. And that's our Father. Go with me to Hebrews chapter 4. While you're turning there, let me share this thought with you. When I think about the President of the United States, President Obama, he must have a very heavy schedule. I mean, with all of the foreign heads of state that he has to meet with and all the congressional leaders and all the heads of committees. And I mean, he's just have a very busy schedule, not to mention the tens of thousands of friends and supporters that would love to be invited to meet with him. But because of his heavy schedule, he can only invite a few. And, not, and that's just before he, they have to go through a, a series of, of, of extensive and meticulous security check. As children of God, glory to God. As children of God, we have the opportunity to have instant audience with the president of presidents. <laughs> Glory to God. Whatever the need, whatever the time, God's calendar is cleared just for you. <laughs> Glory to God. He cleared his calendar. His calendar is completely free and completely open just for you and just to hear what you have to say. And his full attention is devoted to everything that you have to say and also to your needs. God will never change his schedules on you. His calendar is open. So you can come to him any time of the day with any needs you may have because he's going to spend full attention and devote his time just to hear what you have to say. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad that you serve a God who's never too busy? Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hebrews 4, verse 16 says this, Therefore let us draw near with confidence or with boldness to the throne of grace. That's the presence of God. So that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. Where else can you go to receive grace and mercy to help us in our circumstances but in the presence of God? It says that when we go into the presence of God, we're going to find something that's going to help us. We're going to obtain something that's going to help meet our needs. Listen to what he's saying. Every time we go into the presence of God in our prayers, there's always going to be something there that we can bring back with us. In other words, you'll never leave the presence of God empty-handed. You'll never leave the presence of God with your, prayer, with your needs unmet. Because there's something in His presence that you can get. There's something in His presence that you can find. There's something in His presence that will help you. This one gentleman says that prayer and mercy, our prayers and God's mercy are like two buckets in a well. 
One bucket is ascending. The other bucket is descending. The bucket that is ascending is our prayers. The bucket that is descending is God's mercy coming down to us. Glory to God. So I am confident that when I go into the presence of God with the power of attorney and knowing that I've been cleansed and and wiped away by the blood of Jesus, I can come in boldly and confidently knowing that I'm going to walk out with the mercy and grace of God that's going to help me in my time of need. Glory to God. You see, in the Old Testament, when people wanted to approach God, they couldn't do it. God had appointed priests to represent the people to enter into the holy place. And even then, they had to go through a series of sacrifices. But after Jesus' resurrection, he made it possible for us to all become priests so that we all can enter into the very throne room of God with our petitions. Glory to God. Where is the time going? Go to John chapter 11. I want to encourage your faith tonight so that when you go home and pray, you pray with a different attitude. You pray with a sense of of urgency, but you also pray with a confidence and with a persistence and with an expectation, knowing what your right is, knowing what your place is, and knowing what your relationship is with God. In John chapter 11, this is, of course, you know the story when Jesus was about to raise Lazarus from the dead. And we're beginning in verse 40. And keep in mind, you know, when, you know, he had, uh, Lazarus had died like four days ago. So he was dead. And at this point, he was in a state of decomposing. So Jesus was about to raise him up. And of course, one of somebody said, but Lord, this body has been dead for four days. And it's going to be a pretty smelly situation. But Jesus, in the face of impossibility... Verse 40 says, he looked up. Not verse 40, I'm sorry. But in verse 41, he says, he looked up. And he says, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. You know, in the natural, it was impossible. And so, even though it was an impossibility, Jesus went to the one who knew that he was able to do the impossible. Every time you and I are faced with some impossibilities in our lives, where do you look to? Do you look up to the one who can do anything? Or do you look to other avenues, other directions? Jesus did the one thing that he knew would work. He looked to the Father. But what I want you to understand is this, his confidence. Because his confidence made a difference in his prayer. Because he looked up and he says, Father, I thank you that you have heard me, past tense. Now, what's interesting here is that he never uttered a word as to what it was he wanted to say. He never said, Lord, this is my request. He simply said, Lord, I thank you that you've heard me. If you remember in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 8, Jesus says, For your father already knows what you have need of before you ask. Jesus already knew that. Jesus knew that the Father already knew what he wanted. So he stepped out in faith. Lord, I thank you that you heard me. In other words, my prayer, as far as I'm concerned, this is done. 
Because in verse 42, he says, I knew that you always hear me. You know, there's something about knowing that God hears your prayer because that will instill confidence in anyone. Amen. So, I want you to go with me quickly to 1 John chapter 5. So when Jesus prayed to the Father, he prayed in the past tense. What I want you to also see is this. He says, Lord, I thank you that you heard me, past tense. What we see here is Jesus applying the very same principle that he taught his disciples in Mark eleven twenty four, 24. Where he says, whatsoever you desire when you pray, believe that you received it, past tense, and you shall have it. What we see is Jesus practicing what he preaches. He teaches it and he applies it. And that's exactly what he's doing. Applying the very principle that he taught his disciples back in Mark chapter 11. Look at in verse uh, chapter, I mean, 1 John chapter 5. Verse 14. This is the confidence which we have before him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Now, he says, if we ask Now, does that mean that if we don't ask, he doesn't hear? If we don't ask anything, there's just nothing for him to hear, right? Pastor John made a statement in one of his messages. He says that the one prayer that will never be answered, the one prayer that will never be heard, is the one that you don't ask. James 4.2 says, you have not because you ask not. But isn't it interesting how John says, this is the confidence which we have before him. Now, where do you think he got that from? From Jesus when he was raising the dead? He said, if we ask anything according to his his will, he hears us. Isn't it something that Jesus said, Lord, I thank you that you always hear me. And he says in verse 15, look down in verse 15, it says, and if we know that he hears us. In whatever we ask, we know that we have the request which we, ha- which we have asked from him. So there's something about knowing that instill confidence in us. So that when we come to the Father in prayer, one of the things that Jesus is trying to tell us and what he wants us to do today is the very confidence that he just demonstrated in his prayer. He wants us to have that same confidence in our prayer life. Amen. So we can go to him confidently knowing that he hears us. Now, let me shift gear a little bit. I want you to go to Psalm chapter 40. And let me just share a story with you. There was this couple who went to the airport getting ready to take a flight. Don't know where. When they arrived at the gate, they were told by an agent that they couldn't board. But they asked him to step aside and wait. So the couple went aside to a waiting area, and that's where they stayed. So as they were sitting there waiting, people were boarding into the plane. And as time passed, more and more people were boarding the plane. Now, at this point, the couple was getting a little frustrated. Because they're seeing all these people boarding, and they're wondering... Why are we waiting? I mean, they were told to sit there with no explanation. 
But there are still more people boarding the plane. Now, everyone that boarded the plane, everybody was there, and everyone was boarding the plane. It's continuing on, continuing on while they were sitting waiting. And in their mind, they're thinking, what's going on here? By this time, they're getting upset. Because they're being told to sit there, wait, with no explanation, with no time frame. And by this time, they were really upset. And things were going on through their mind. They're saying, what's going on? Why are they doing this? This airline is, is really mistreating us here. I mean, they're not treating us fairly. And all these thoughts were going through their mind. Finally, everyone's boarded except them. Then their names were called, and they were allowed to board. So they were going into the gate and into the plane with their boarding pass, looking for their seats. Unbeknownst to them, that their boarding pass was upgraded to first class. So what was once sadness turned to joy. What was once anger turned to peace. Because they realized that waiting wasn't all that bad. Right? The Bible tells us, if you read the Bible and study the Bible, you'll find that there are many callings. We're called to do many things. We're called to walk by faith, not by sight. We're called to walk in love. We're called to be laborers. We're called to, um, to be a light unto the world. We're called to do a number of things. But one of the most important calling and one of the most difficult calling is the call to wait. Waiting is one of the most difficult things to do. Even though there are special blessings for waiting, it's still difficult to wait. Why is it so difficult? Because our flesh does not like to wait. We live in a I want it now society. Even modern technology has helped the cause. Where now we can have things instantly. Instant gratification. We got microwaves for those who don't want to cook. We have fast food restaurants. We have telephones. How about the computer that you have today? Compare it to the computer you had about 10 years ago. It's a lot faster than, than 10 years ago, right? So you see modern technology working and moving. But all to make sure that we have everything that we need instantly at our fingertips. And that's why it's so hard for us to wait. Society has built us that way. But regardless of that, we still have to wait. Because when we think about waiting, what do you think about? The doctor's office. When you go to the doctor's I have a one o'clock appointment. And you go there uh, at uh, what? Um, if you have a one o'clock appointment and you, something like we like to do, we like to go a little earlier. Because we figure if we go early, we can get in early. So you go there, says I got a one o'clock appointment, you're a half hour early. Sign a paper, say okay, go sit in the waiting room. And we wait. How about when you go in grocery stores? When you have to wait in line for your groceries. Or how about in the airport, in the air terminal? You've got to wait there. Or how about waiting in traffic during rush hour? So our whole life is waiting. We're always waiting for something sometimes. But waiting is very hard because we have intended, well, maybe not you guys, but others have tendencies to want to take matters into their own hands and follow their own plans rather than wait. Are you at Psalm 40? Listen to how David starts off this song. He says, I waited patiently for the Lord. And he inclined to me and heard my cry. 
He brought me out of the pit of destruction and out of the miry clay, and he set my feet upon a rock, making my footsteps firm. Now, David had been going through a very serious situation, a very difficult situation, and he cried and prayed to the Lord. And the Lord blessed him and answered his prayer by inclining to him, answering his cry, pulling him out of that pit of destruction and out of that miry clay and setting his feet on a rock and establishing his footsteps. But all that was a result of waiting patiently. And see, this is where we struggle the most. Going back to the story in the beginning about the person putting quarters in the Coke machine. People are not willing to wait long enough. But David waited. And he waited for who? Not for his army to rescue him. He wasn't waiting for his allies to rescue him. He wasn't even waiting for his bodyguards. But he was waiting for the Lord. Who are you waiting for? Some of you might be waiting for a job. Some of you might be waiting for your income tax return. Some of you may be waiting for the housing, publishing, clearinghouse people that come knocking at your door, <laughs> handing you a million dollar check. But you're waiting for something. David was waiting for the Lord because he knew that the Lord was his hope and his source. Listen to what David says. Psalm 39 and verse 7, you can write that down. He says this, And now, Lord, for what do I wait? My hope is in you. Write this down. Psalm 62, verse 5. My soul wait in silence for God only. For my hope or my expectation is from Him. He only is my rock and my salvation. Only he is my stronghold. I shall not be shaken. You know, when you know that the Lord is your stronghold, if you know that the Lord is your hope, you're willing to wait as long as it takes. Go with me to Acts chapter 1 real quick. Oh boy, I'm running out of time here. Acts chapter 1. In Luke, 4, uh, in Luke 24 and verse 49, Jesus, after he was raised from the dead and was getting ready to ascend to heaven, had a final instruction to his disciples. He told his disciples, I want you to tarry in Jerusalem until you are endued with power. In Acts chapter 1, beginning in verse 4, Jesus goes on, it says, And being assembled together with them, Jesus commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which says, You have heard of me. Verse 5 says, For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. Now, Jesus told his disciples, I want you to go to Jerusalem, and I want you to wait there. Say wait. wait. Not a very nice word. Wait in Jerusalem, when? How long? Until. Now Jesus says, not many days hence you're going to receive the promise. Now, how many days is that? They don't really know. It could be three days, it could be ten days, it could be two weeks. All they knew was they were to wait in Jerusalem for so many days until. 
And again, this is where many of us struggle. Now, what do you suppose they were doing in the meantime? Look in verse 14, uh, 12. Then they returned, that the disciples returned unto Jerusalem from the Mount of Olives, which is from Jerusalem a Sabbath day journey. Verse 13 says, And when they were come in, they went up into the upper room where abode Peter, James, John, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, Simon, the zealot, and Judas, the brother of James. Verse 14, And they all continued with one accord in what? In prayer and supplication. If you have a hard time waiting, pray. The disciples did exactly what Jesus told them to do. They went. They got together, all 120 of them, and they waited. And as they were waiting, they were praying. Now, what, let's say, half of them decided to wait five days and decided to leave. And keep in mind that it's believed that it was 10 days before the promise came. But let's say half of them decided to wait up until five days and say, you know what? This isn't happening. I got a life. I've I, I got a job. I, I, I got a family to feed. And they all left. Would they have received the promise? No. Because Jesus' instruction was wait until. What if 119 out of 120 waited on the ninth day and then they left? Would the 119 receive the promise? No. Because Jesus' instruction was very specific. He says, wait until you endure with power. You know, uh, Several years ago, I went to, uh, I went to Washington, D.C., and, you know, got to see the sites, got to see Congress, I got to see the Lincoln Memorial and all the sites, and, and I was at the Washington Monument, and I was waiting in line to go up the monument. And I remember it was a hot day, it was a long line, and I was waiting for a while. And I waited while I was sweating, I was uncomfortable, finally I decided, you know what, I'm not going to wait anymore. So I got out of the line. But unfortunately, I never had a chance to go up the monument. Now, I mean, that's not really a big deal. But it would have been nice to go into the monument, go up, say, and look at the sites. And, you know, at least I can say I've, I've been there. But because I didn't want to wait, because it was too hot. And for whatever reason, I decided not to wait. I make this point to say this. When you stop praying... You take yourself out of God's receiving line. Sometimes we're not willing to pray until the answer comes through. Sometimes we'll pray and then stop when, we, when things are not happening. When the circumstances don't seem to be changing. And then at that point we decide, okay, I'm, I'm tired of waiting. This is where many of us struggle. But Jesus says, wait until. So many of you are probably waiting for something. You're waiting for God to come through. You're waiting for a job. You're waiting for something from God. And let me encourage you tonight. Wait. Wait until. Don't take yourself out of the receiving line. Don't stop praying. But continue to pray. Jesus said, men, not always to pray and not give up. Don't quit. Don't give up. Hang in there. The farmer had to wait for his harvest. But when he got his harvest, he rejoiced. He also had to wait for the latter rain. But when the latter rain came, they rejoiced. Sometimes it's necessary to wait. But I encourage you to please hang in there. Wait. Wait a while.
Isaiah 40 and verse 39. Now I'll close with this. It says this. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. And they shall walk and not faint. There is strength to those who wait on the Lord. Because their hope, their expectation, their trust is in Him and no one else. Let's all close our eyes and let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord. Lord, I thank you, Father God, that you've given us the wisdom and the direction and and the encouragement, Father, to pray without ceasing. To pray with confidence. To pray knowing, Father, that you hear our prayers. To pray knowing, Father God, that you've cleared your schedule just to hear what we have to say. Father, I thank you and I praise you for all that you're doing and all that you will continue to do in our lives. Father, we thank you, Father, for for encouraging us and and putting a new, new strength, a new life into our prayer life. And Lord, I thank you so much for this opportunity to speak into the lives of your people. I thank you, Father God, that many have received your word tonight. And many are looking at prayer completely different. And many are encouraged to pray more, to hang in there and to continue prayer until they receive the blessing. And so, Father, I pray on their behalf tonight that you meet every need, that you hear every prayer. And, Father, you come through for them, Father God, in a timely fashion. And, Father, I thank you and I praise you for your goodness and your faithfulness. I thank you that we can come to you into your very presence to find grace and mercy to help us in our time of need. Lord, I thank you for not disappointing us. I thank you, Father, for not forsaking us. But I thank you for being such a true God, true to your word and faithful to your people. For this I thank you and I praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.